Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast presented by State Farm, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This episode, joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my... Wait a second. Wait a second. Alert. Alert. David Mossy has been called away, as he is, because he is so special and so good at what he does. But you know what? In the halls of the Fox soccer production here in Sydney... You just, I mean, you just throw just a, a ball, you will hit somebody of fame and notoriety. We couldn't find any of those people, but Jimmy <laughs> Conrad came instead, all right? I'm just busting your balls, uh, my friend. The it. great Jimmy Conrad sitting in for uh, David Mossy. Big shoes, but if anybody can fill them, Try uh, Jimmy can. Listen, you know Jimmy Conrad from a million different things, including his day-in and day-out awesomeness with Women's World Cup now. Also, his podcast, In Soccer We Trust, with, uh, let's see, we got Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. Wonderful thing. Definitely subscribe and listen, uh, listen yes, to that. Yes, go, go. There we go. Shout out to the trust fund. There you go. Uh, but he just does wonderful, wonderful work. I got a lot of respect for you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. For that. a number of different reasons. Um, but <laughs> not, the, not the least of which is that you work. And you, look, you've been in this business long enough. That's not always the case. Sure. You work, you work hard, you work smart, and you reap the rewards. And whatever it's the accolades and the people talking about you, <laughs> they are well-deserved. Thank you. But this is the hardest working man in showbiz, my friends. <laughs> day in and day out. I was going to say the same about you. Well, no, no, no. I learned yeah. it in Qatar. No, no, no. no. Dealing, okay. dealing right. with all the all stuff right. that this guy has to deal with uh, <laughs> is pretty amazing. Um, how's, how's things going, first off, before we get into it? How's things going? Now? Yeah, great. Uh, obviously, honored and thrilled to be here, a part of the family for the Women's World Cup. And our, the set is amazing. Same. And the tournament's been great. So... Yeah, it's only going to get better from here, too. That's what I'm excited about. If the people don't know you, which was my little uh, intro sure. there, give them a little uh, Cliff Notes version. Yeah, I'm your favorite former U.S. men's national team player. Uh, <laughs> that's my running tagline. But um, I had a little engine that could when I was a player. Didn't get uh, recruited out of high school. Had to walk on in college. Didn't get drafted in MLS. Had to kind of fight my way all the way through. And then worked my way up to playing in a World Cup. And then once I retired, Alexi, I uh, was inspired by what you were doing. And I thought, I'm going to do what Alexi's doing. I'm going to get into the media and see what I can do. And aim, I've gone to- aim much higher, my friend. <laughs> aim much higher. Good Well, job. I've gone down this rabbit hole and, um, you know, used the same disciplines and habits that I had as a player, and it seems to be serving me well now. What, what have you found? Because, you know, look, we were, we were both players, and that, that moment comes, and usually it's never when you want it to come, right. where that door closes, and that life that you have lived day in and day out goes away. 
Were you daunted? Were you scared? Were you excited about it? And if young people or young players are coming to you and asking you about the transition from the, from the field off to whatever number of things, what are you telling them? Well, I had concussions, so I had to retire due to concussions. And I had a headache for about three months in my last season. And it got to the point where I had to make a decision on what I wanted to do. I just had my second baby. And I'm 34 at that point, And I'm playing for a team that has zero chance of making the playoffs or doing anything of consequence. Uh, rest in peace to Chivas USA. And uh, <laughs> it just made sense to end it there. And that was hard. When that decision was finally made, I got into the car, I called my wife, and I was crying. I couldn't even get out what had happened, that, that the decision had been made. And she thought somebody in my family had died. And, and in some ways, looking back, someone had died. My whole identity, everything I had been known for up until that point, even my mom used to reference me as a professional athlete's son. Like, that was gone. And that took me a long time to get over, maybe nine to 10 months, where I was just kind of in that funk. You'd still be around the game, and you'd want to be a part of the locker room and be a part, like, get on the field and, and make a difference, and you just can't anymore. And everybody starts to treat you a little bit different because you're on the outside now and not on the inside. So all those types of transitions were hard. I think the thing that I would tell young players or young people that are going through this transition is that the sooner that you can accept that you have to start from square one again, the much easier it is. Because I just thought, oh, I played in the World Cup. I did all these things. That's going to matter. And they're like, no, no, that's great. But that's not really what we need you to do in this particular job. So once I accepted the fact that I had to start from the bottom, then my life became easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell young players all the time, it, it may get you in the door. It may open up some doors. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it does. Players, it does, 100%. It it's not going to keep them over forever. Right. And if you do see a jumping off point, really look at it carefully and long, because I guarantee you, you're not going to be one of the very, very few that gets to ride off into the sunset. It all goes wonderful. You win the, yeah, you win the, uh, the championship. You have money to, uh, to burn, all that kind of stuff. That's just not how it works. Listen, once Michael Jordan, he hit the shot, right? Ended his career winning the NBA final with the, the shot. And when he came back to the Washington Wizards, <laughs> I was like, then it just will never happen. There is no perfect ending. If nope. Michael Jordan won't go off into the sunset with the best ending of all time, with all the money in the world and all the adoration, and go back to the Washington Wizards and struggle and look like, I don't know, a turtle version of himself where he could barely move, then, then it's, there's no happy ending for any of us. Right. Got it. All right, listen, let's uh, see if we can get a happy ending here when it comes to <laughs> these, these teams that maybe are going to ultimately be there, uh, be there in the end. Uh, okay, so last night we had England and Denmark. You know, England came into this tournament, as we mentioned, as one of the favorites, although coming in with a lot of injuries. Yes. And the injury bug just keeps uh, going on, with Kira Walsh going down yesterday. Yes. I mean, it looks like, for all intents and purposes, she is out for the rest of the tournament. Now, teams can sustain injuries, but this one is, uh, you know, the word that you, you hear being thrown around right now is irreplaceable because of what she does for England. They end up getting the uh, one nothing win, so that's good from a, a results standpoint. But as we look at this team, uh, and after you saw what happened last night, do you think they're still contenders to win this World Cup? Yes, they're going to be contenders. I think the experience of winning European something of consequence yep. matters, that you can fight through the adversity. You've done it before. You can look at each other in those tough moments and be like, okay, we've accomplished this. But for us to do it again is going to be a little bit harder. People are gunning for you in a different way. You have a target on your back. So that's a new challenge for them and this team. Now, they have Serena Wiegmann, who is the reigning FIFA coach of the year. I mean, she's the real deal. She has success wherever she goes. She doesn't suffer fools. No, she does not. <laughs> she does not. But Kira Walsh, for me, is a big loss because she seemed to be the glue, the, 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 play, the connective tissue mm -hmm. between the defense and the attack in transition in particular, and great at breaking up plays, protecting the back four. That's a big loss. And they bring in a player in Coombs who has five caps 
And she got two caps eight years ago and got three this year. 32 years old, kind of breaking back into the team. But with that big of a gap is interesting. So I wonder if they're going to trust her in that way to, to be like for like or if they're going to go to a double pivot and try to sit two holding midfielders to try to accommodate their situation because they have all that. I don't think there's enough. I think they're going to run out of luck. They're kind of eking by two one zero wins. I have a lot of respect for their team. I just don't. They're not the best team here. If everybody was healthy, right. then I think, yes, they're in the conversation for sure. But because they're missing so many key factors, it's going to be a lot more difficult. You know what sucks about this, Jimmy? Hmm. Is that when they get their ass kicked, all right, <laughs> there's going to be all these built-in excuses. <laughs> and when it happens, I don't want any excuses. <laughs> I want to be able to look at them and say, you're done. You're dusted. Because I've told you before. If England somehow get it together and win the World Cup and at the expense of the U.S., can you believe how insufferable? You, I, can you imagine? They already are. So. Like? <laughs> exactly. So when, when they lose in this tournament, I don't, want them, I don't want them to say, yeah, but we had the injuries here and we didn't have this and we'll get you next time and all that kind of but, stuff. But won't we be saying the same thing if we don't win it? Yeah, but we're Americans, okay? <laughs> All right, well, listen, uh, they, they continued on, uh, like I said, with the, with the results that they needed to get, not impressing everybody, including the, the, two guys, uh, the two guys here. But there are teams that have kind of slow burned through the group stage and then come alive. And there are teams that have come together despite losing players and injuries sure. and all that kind of stuff. But there comes a point, too, where there's only so much that you can do, even for a great coach like uh, Serena Vagman. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next game, uh, China-Haiti. Now, Jimmy, I don't, you, you watched the first game with Haiti. I was so impressed. I wasn't alone. A lot of people were so impressed with Haiti. They even went into my top ten. Now, I know that's, a, that's kind of pushing it, but they stayed there. There's some simply. romanticism around There is, there is. And, and look, the way that they played against England in that first game, I was like, this, this is a good team. And it's not just my CONCACAF bias or anything like that. But I thought they actually deserved to at least come out with a point. Fair enough. So I put them in there. They were the only team in my top ten that actually lost the game and still were able to go in there. But now they're done. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say, oh, just wait, wait till they come out. You know and I know that Haiti is now out of the tournament, all right? Because not only did they lose, but they lost to China, and they lost to a China that was down a player for a lot of the game. So a, a horrible night when it comes to Haiti, and uh, Dumonet did not start. That is a big, big loss. Big talking point. A big but, talking point. Yeah, but, so, but she comes on and plays the second half, and even immediately when she comes on, she changes the game. And this goes back to something that we talk about constantly in the game, like, well, you hold off on her because she's not, quote-unquote, 100%. But if it's a 75% Dumonet, isn't that better than what they have? A thousand percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little disappointed from Nicola Delapin, who, the coach of Haiti, who mentioned that she picked up a knock against England. Great. But why wouldn't you? I agree with you. Why not roll her out for even if she's 75%? Just let her go. Just, just let her go. She's 19. You're, you're, you're asking for one moment of magic. <laughs> That's so. it. That's it. And, and, the game, the field, she... and the game changed when she came on. And it's a little bit disappointing. They're going to be, they're going to be a little bitter because there were a penalty call or two that maybe should have gone their way. But China deserved one as well, and it felt Did like. Do you think it all equaled out? Because there were a lot of, yeah, I guess, controversial types of calls when it came to the VAR and the way that this referee yeah. handled it. And it was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. And it, the the you know the Haitian fans are all looking at this and saying, Hey, we got screwed. Hey, we got screwed. Do you think they got screwed? I think they did, if they're looking only through that lens. If they look through China's opportunity, there should have 1,000% been another penalty for, for China. A few minutes after they got the other penalty, which was a penalty as well. The referee swallowed her whistle on the first one, so when it went back the other way and Haiti probably deserved one, she swallowed her whistle there as well. So I think they were just trying to balance the ledger, as it were, 
it's not the right thing to do, but it would have been pretty harsh for China had it gone the other direction, and, and they would have been screwed out of that one that they should have gotten. They're going to have to look at this FIFA and, and really evaluate, because they got this one wrong. But overall, I think you're right. It did balance it out, and I think China were, were the deserved winners. However, Haiti had plenty of chances in that game. When it was still 0-0, they missed the sitter. Uh, Zhu Yu, the goalkeeper for China, made a hell of a save. And if that goes in, then obviously I think we're talking about a different result, and Haiti might still be in your top ten, Alexi. Yeah, well, they're definitely not. They're not anymore. Now, but They're out. But, but credit to China, by the way, just winning a game and winning a game when you're down, uh, down a player, that's, you know, that's, that's a good job. And, this, uh, and China has, in their World Cup appearances, they have never actually gone out in the group stage. So they always find a way to get out. And they still have everything to, uh, everything to play here, for here. All right, before we spin it to what's happening here, again, we're on the set here in Sydney. We're getting ready for a whole other slate of games. Uh, Jimmy will get on his makeup and uh, you know, put on his... Uh, <laughs> I need a lot. What are you wearing tonight? Anything uh, different or is this what you're wearing? No, this is it. I'm going to roll with this. You look good. Yeah, thank you. you. I mean, you look I good. keep it simple. Let's take less, it, less is more every Yeah, day. exactly. Let's take it out of the uh, Women's World Cup, and then we'll come back uh, to the Women's World Cup okay. at the end. Uh, okay. All right, so look, we, we talk about this U.S. men's national team, and we talk about American players, especially American players over and abroad, you know, through that lens of the national team. And so when we come to find out that Yunus Musa to AC Milan is, is as good as done, this means that you're going to have a bunch of players playing. Now, Fabrizio Romano, I mean, he, when he says it's, uh, that, it's, that it's getting closer and that it's almost done, you got, you got to trust. And he says the deal is in the final stages, and he got a, uh, there we go, uh, here we go. So, uh, so this, is, this is as close as one can get in terms of being official. Wonderful for Yunus Musa. I've said before that relative to a lot of these American players, even if Yunus Musa wasn't an American player, there, any team in the world, I think, would be happy and lucky 100%. to have him in particular because of the position that he plays and the way that he plays it. Oh, 100%. We, we, we love watching him, of course, when he plays for the U.S. I think he's very versatile. Uh, when Tyler Adams had been out for the Nations League games, for him to assume the six and look relatively comfortable, which I think now brings in a different element of conversation as to we can survive without Tyler Adams. Okay, Mexico, Canada didn't look their best, but we looked excellent. And now with Gio Reyna coming in centrally, it just gives us some more options, and that's all you really want. So when I see him joining Milan, I feel the same way. It's going to give them some more flexibility and, and allow them to be more diverse in their attack. And where do you start him? Because I thought that Gennaro Gattuso, when he took over Valencia, he did us a solid by pushing Yunus Musa higher up the field. And I think he did Yunus Musa a solid by giving him that freedom, taking off the, the proverbial handcuffs to, hey, we need you to kind of sit, and now we want you to go. Because I think that's been the knock on his game. Can he bring attacks to completion? Can he finish off with crosses? Can he make that final pass? Can he, can he score goals? And I think we're starting to see a different version of that. Do you like him pushed higher from a position? I do, because I'm a romantic. To, well, to start with, or do you like him coming from, coming from deep and then well, having that a part of his game? He's so good at, at turning under pressure yeah. and holding the ball in tight spots, and then that change of speed to get out of that is excellent. Yeah. So... I think there's a valid argument for having him come a little bit deeper. And I'm very curious to see Stefano Pioli, and if they does come to Milan, where they want him to set up. They got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who can do similar things. Different, different profile of player, but kind of in the same starting position. So I'm curious to see how that'll all work out. Obviously, his relationship with Christian Pulisic is going to be immense, and that'll be a nice, uh, in terms of where they find each other and how they want to find each other on the field, will be great. It's a great signing. To your point, he's a hell of a player, yeah. and he's super young, and he's got a ton of experience in La Liga and for the U.S., and he 
we're not even close to his ceiling, and that, that, that's my favorite part about Eunice. And this also means that potentially four players from the U.S. men's national team, and four starters, let's be honest, will be playing, in, and who knows what happens with Wes McKinney, but if he continues uh, on now that he's back with... He started uh, in the friendly United. against Milan? Yeah, 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 so they had the uh, the friendly, 2-2 friendly there at the, uh, was it Dignity Health? Is that where they played? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, so that we got so we got Musa, McKinney, uh, Wea, and uh, Polisic all over there playing in Syria, either for uh, AC Milan, uh, or for uh, Juventus. Wea also, by the way, uh, when, uh, you know, there's initiation types of things. And as, so, as one does. So I think we saw him singing some Bob Marley uh, at the team dinner. So uh, that's good. And maybe Weston McKinney had something uh, to do with this. So Weston probably just sat back and said, I'm just going to take pictures, uh, take pictures <laughs> of this. There he is. He's up on a table. Uh, I think he's got his phone in his hand. So look at him. He's, he's just going to town. We're not allowed to use the audio. We can't but. use the audio. But, yeah, but you but can you can figure you it can out. Feel he's his like energy. He's I mean, he, wow, he's got some gesticulations and all sorts of, you know, it's dinner I, dinner and a show. Hey, anytime we had that type of stuff when we were older players on the team, you just want to see the younger players commit, exactly. right? Just commit to the cause. Hey, we're asking you to do something because I've been with teams and the players that didn't give it their all. Yeah. That would show on the field, too. And they're going to hear about it. You can't trust it. them. You can't trust them. Exactly. You're going to do skits. We want to see skits. Open yourself up. Open yourself up. O open Be yourself vulnerable up. to everybody. Uh, okay, o other stuff that's happening. Now, this, this has been in the air for a while. Oh, Chucky Lozano. Okay, so Chucky <laughs> Lozano, uh, there's rumors flying around that he potentially could be returning, well, not returning, but going to the United States uh, for Major League Soccer uh, with, uh, with LAFC. Now, Tom Beauregard has said that this is, uh, let's to use his words, nonsense in terms of the uh, the contacts that he has and the information that he has. But this just kind of keeps percolating right now. Chuck Lozano, 27 years yeah. old, arguably the best player on right. El Tree, and in this in this day and age where we discuss and there's an incredible amount of pressure and criticism as to players coming back to MLS and what that would do for their career and what it says about. In, in bigger picture, what it says about them, what it says about the team, what it says about the league, what it doesn't say, American soccer, and then obviously El Tree and, uh, and the national team. If this were to happen, Jimmy, let's just do a hypothetical. Now, I like it might those. not happen. If it were to happen, do you think that this would hurt Chucky Lozano and therefore hurt El Tree? That's a great question. I think there was some... Um, well, let me say it like this. When you think about Chicharito and when you think about Carlos Vela, both in the L.A. market, mm -hmm. right? So there's definitely a thirst to have a Mexican player on either one of those teams for obvious reasons, right? There's obviously a big fan base in, in that section of the country. I think it depends on who the coach of Mexico is. So right now you have Jaime Lozano, so he's, he's in charge. And if there's some kind of conversations that we're having with Chicharito and Carlos Vela, I know they're on the wrong side of 30, maybe not the right time to pull them back in. But I really do think it comes down to that. So if Chucky wants to come back, then I think you have to have a real talk with your coach, Mexico, and say, hey, whatever you think about MLS, let's just put it on, on the table right now. And if you think this is going to hurt my chances, then let's have that discussion. And if it's not, then this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. Then it's all back on the player. But if it does have some implications as to his national team playing time, then, then maybe he has to make a different decision. What, whether, it's, whether it's El Tree or anybody else, what, what does a coach benefit by saying – I mean, if, if he just made a blanket statement and said, if you're in MLS, I'm not calling you in, okay? Well, we've seen that. I know, but... We've heard it. But what... what it, I, probably in a coach's mind, he or she would be saying, I'm doing this in order to make sure that they are playing at the highest level and not letting them, quote-unquote, regress by coming to a league that, that I don't value. And look, it's certainly their prerogative to be able to do that. I just think I you're mean, shooting well, yourself in, your, in the foot. I get it, I get it. But that coach could also be saying, I don't want you to go to Belgium, or I don't want you to go to sure. France, or I don't want to, like, you, you have a nice setup 
with Napoli. Let's use Chucky right. Lozano. So, so, yes, I think MLS could be part of that conversation, but I think there are plenty of other leagues where that coach but can be But let's be honest, coaches that would say that, if they went to Europe, they don't look at going to Belgium or something like that as the step down relative to MLS. It's literally getting on a plane and flying to North America right. that then puts them in that view. In I that get view it. From a, well, what, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe what if Chucky wanted to go to Mexico? Maybe Jaime Lozano would be like, I don't want you to come back either. Like, you, we want you to continue to cut your teeth in Europe. That's where the best competition is. But you can get into Champions League. So, so do you think I don't we think can see the best elements. of Chucky Lozano if he is not playing in Europe? I think confidence is a hell of a drug. And, and if you can get playing time and get confidence no matter where you're playing, then I think that's what matters most. I'm, I'm, I'm the wrong person to talk to about this because when I got to play in a World Cup, I only had MLS experience, and I held my own against some of the best. In the How world. is it possible, Jimmy Conrad, and that so, you were able to do it playing in this this rinky-dink little fledgling listen, league listen. that doesn't prepare anybody on and off the field, and is in a country and culture that is not soccer-based, and you can't possibly pass the ball, and you can't even understand the laws of the game because you're American and you play in an American slash Canadian league? How is it possible that you, Jimmy Conrad, were able to go to a World Cup and? Function as a soccer player. Boom! <laughs> I just poked the bear, everybody. Yeah, I love that. So, so yeah, I'm the wrong person to ask with regard to this because when we came back from that World Cup, me and Clint Dempsey were the highest rated players, and we only had MLS experience at that point. And that was the, the World Cup. It was based in Germany where all of our European-based guys were going to – they play there. That's where they play. We were going to do well. And, and the fine margins didn't go our, our way in that particular World Cup. And that's what happens. But what I learned in that experience was you're either ready when the whistle blows or you're not. It doesn't matter what you did before, and it doesn't matter what you're going to do after. Are you ready in those 90 minutes? And I was ready in those 90 minutes. Damn right you were. God. Yeah. Wonderful. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. <laughs> we said we'd uh, we kind of go back and forth. Let's, uh, let's turn it back before we get out of here to what's happening tonight. Yeah. Sweden versus Italy. Uh, wonderful matchup here in Group G. And uh, the other two teams with Ar uh, Argentina and um, South Africa, crazy 2-2 result. So lots to play for here. Uh, what, are you, uh, what are you looking at? Sweden, by the way, um, this is also potential from a U.S. perspective. We could be facing one of, the, uh, one of these teams going Yeah, forward. it's our crossover group. I would say with Sweden, they're the Tottenham of women's is, national teams. What does that mean? They just, they're the nearly team. They nearly get there. They've gotten third in World Cups. They get a, a silver medals. You know, they just, they just, they have the team. They have the talent. They have the experience. But they've never actually gotten to the top. So we'll see if they can do it again. they they a little nervy in that first game having to come back against South Africa, down 1-0 with about 20 minutes, 30 minutes left to go, and they right. found a way to get that result. Uh, Italy, actually, big fan. I think they're continuing to improve, and they're going to be a tough test. They barely got by a very good and, and plucky Argentina team, I would say. So I think this, this, the fine margins are starting to, to narrow, which is what I love about the women's game right now, is that uh, the gap at the top isn't as big as it used to be, and everybody's getting a little bit closer. But I like this Sweden team. I like this Italy game, and I, I think it's going to be a good game overall. And whoever wins this will book their ticket to the knockout round. So I like when those implications start to happen in a World Cup. All right, so if that's the appetizer tonight, then the main course is France-Brazil. And, I, I mean, I, I think this is a toss-up here. Brazil came out and really kind of stamped their presence uh, and with authority and really put on a show. And I, and I love the way that we saw this Brazil team with this incredible balance of, you know, the, the, the magic and the romance and the creativity and the beautiful game that we talk about. 
but they combined it with a, a kind of a ruthless efficiency, and that's a powerful combination. That's not always the case when it comes to Brazil, both men's and, uh, men's and women's. So whatever they had in that first game, if they can dip back into that, they're, uh, they're going to need to, because this is also a France that is, it's, it's not desperate, but they did not, for example, I was not impressed after that first game so much so that France, who I actually have going very, very far, I didn't even put them in my top ten. So they kind of have to come back here and justify, at least to me, to others, and maybe even to themselves, yes. especially with a new coach, that they deserve the praise and the belief that a lot of people have in this team. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite players in the women's game is Wendy Renard, and she is excellent. She plays for Lyon, for those that don't know. She's won nine French titles, seven or eight Champions League titles. I mean, She's done it all. The most decorated player, or one of the most decorated out there. Fourth World Cup now. So she might not be available tonight, yep. and that will be a big loss for them because Brazil's got so many different weapons. I love Dabinha. I thought she did a nice job of staying up high for Brazil and then pulling out wide, which creates space for others. Uh, Ari Borges had a hat trick. She plays for Racing Louisville. 12 games for Racing Louisville this season and only one goal. Hey, I'm just going to score a hat trick in my first ever World Cup game. I mean, that is next level. But, but, but you just found... said it. You just said it. doesn't matter what you did before. I agree. doesn't matter what you do anyway. I know. Ari Borg just said, this is my moment. The whistle blew, and she was ready and to do it. And she took it, 100%. And, and so there's something different about this Brazil team, and that's exciting because they've relied on Formiga and Marta and Cristiani for so long that now there's this new generation that were inspired by those players to really step up and take that responsibility, and, and they are a threat. And, and Dabinia, I know she's not a spring chicken, she's 31, but when you have someone of her caliber that can finish these half chances at times and hit at the back of the net, and she didn't even score in the first game, but her impact was felt, they, are, they can hurt you in so many different ways. They're definitely one of my favorites. Uh, all right, so that would be the main course. And then a nice little dessert later on in Conca the uh, night. And, but, but from a timing perspective, it's when everybody's getting up here. A big old CONCACAF back and forth uh, with uh, Panama and, uh, and Jamaica here. Now, Jamaica is Bunny Shaw, and Bunny Shaw, as uh, people remember, got a red card in their uh, first game. So she is out. That is a huge, huge, huge loss. loss for Jamaica. But, you know, the fact that we actually get to see two CONCACAF teams going at it says a lot about what CONCACAF is with all of the teams that we have in it. So uh, how do you see this one shaping up? Well, it's a huge opportunity for Jamaica without Bunny Shaw to get three points and to continue to stay relevant in their group and put some real pressure on France in particular. They both have one point after the first game, after the 0-0 draw. So if they were going to pick a game in this tournament to not have Bunny Shaw, against Panama is probably the best one to do it because they're going to have Brazil last. And Bunny yep. Shaw can come back into the team and, and be a factor in that one. They have to take this opportunity. Panama, I think they have that just happy to be here vibe. Yeah, they're not Obviously, ready for prime time. No, they're not. But I think it's a great step in the, direction, in the right direction for them and for their federation to say, this is a really meaningful tournament for us. We're going to invest more into the infrastructure of the women's game. And I think we're seeing that kind of spread around. And that's why I love that they expanded this tournament. I know there was a lot of controversy as to should they have done that? Is, is, is the women's game ready for that? It's clearly ready for that. And, and I think it's going to, you know, put into high gear these federations putting more money into that side, the women's side. And, and that's really exciting. Look, we got a big night of, uh, of soccer. Before I let you go, uh, just yes. a couple, couple more bigger picture types of questions. Ooh, I because, love these. I mean, look. <laughs> Notwithstanding the fact that there's two guys here talking about the, uh, the Women's World Cup. But, you know, we've been involved in the game, and it's just people kicking a soccer ball. And as I said before, it doesn't matter whether it's men's, women's, or co-ed naked. If people are kicking a soccer Whoa, ball. Whoa, when's co-ed naked start? By the way, ratings, <laughs> ratings, oh, can you imagine if we put on the uh, co-ed naked oh, uh, uh, World Cup? I'd watch that. <laughs> Everybody here would watch that. But 
you know, uh, when, we, when we think about, you know, the, the game, when we think about the men's game and the women's game, and there's a lot of people that look at it and say, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's different, and it's not as fast, or it's not this or anything like that. And I, I've done this now for so long. I think you, I think you get into trouble when you're, when you're doing comparing and contrasting stuff. Do you watch like women's that. tennis? Yeah. Right. Right. So tennis. do I. I love it, it. It. It's tennis. I mean, but it's it's two highly skilled athletes in their respective fields doing so, what they do so best. Give your, so give your no problem. Give, I love women's tennis. So give your pitch to people out there. I mean, look, everyone that watches State of the Union is is into the game, I think, like us, where we just watch it no matter what. If there's a ball right. being kicked, right. we are going to watch it. But give your pitch to people out there that maybe you're saying, eh, it's, it's the women's game uh, and I don't want to watch it. Or even maybe in a bigger pers- per, uh, perspective, it's soccer and I don't even want to watch it. So I, I think... My big takeaway when I watch the women's game is that they do it because they love to play. They're not doing it for the money, clearly. They're not doing it for the fame. They're not doing it for anything other than their love for the sport and to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I love that. I love the spirit of that. And I think the men's game has lost a lot of that or feels that way. It feels more corporate. But the women's game feels raw and pure. And I love that we're here, man or woman, supporting what they're doing and what they're building. And it's really special to be a part of Well said, well said. I think we can both, you know, when we recognize that passion and that emotion and the stuff that sometimes has nothing to do with actually kicking the ball at, and, you know, the, the scores ultimately, and whether it's the tears coming down in the national anthem or what it means to these women to represent their country and then what it is going to mean. And then many, many years from now when we are gone, there will be a generation that grew up and say, hey, remember in 2023, I watched this team. And all, right. all that kind of stuff is, uh, is so important. Can I add an addendum to that? Because I do want the women's game to get corporate. I want them to get paid. I want them to make money. And I want them to feel oh, this as be, professional this as possible. This cannot be a charity. All right? I get that. This, this but, cannot but, be a and I want them to, But I want them to be treated like the professionals that they are. So I want to, I want to make sure that isn't lost in the conversation because I know that things can get minced on uh, social media. Wait, are you saying that there's a possibility out there that the, uh, the American soccer public or the soccer public out there would take offense to something you said and, you know, maybe yell at you it's or something possible. Like It's possible. It's possible. Really? Yeah, it's possible. But but I, I, that's what I, I, I love about it, and that's what I think is, is so attractive to leaning in and wanting to learn more and wanting to support them so that they can get up to that status that they deserve. Uh, before we go, you gave me this little uh, this keychain here. Yes, it's a those, U.S. Women's National Team surprise bag clip. That is Megan Rapino. That's Megan Rapino. There are nine clips in total. You can go to talismancaps.com to go find these surprise bag clips. Oh, I believe Hi, they're Megan. a Dick's. How are you? <laughs> you ready to go? I hope so. You seem, you seem very rested, Megan. <laughs> if she comes you're off the bench. looking to come off the bench, but your coach evidently doesn't make substitutions. So it could be a long tournament for you. All right. <laughs> Love it. Uh, this is cool. All right, well, I'm gonna wear this uh, wear this around here. I got Megan on my it's yours. Uh, on my belt buckle. Keep it. Uh, thank you, thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for uh, coming in. Pleasure. Uh, and uh, tell the people where they can find you. They can find me everywhere at Jimmy Conrad. And then uh, yeah, another shout out for my podcast in soccer we trust, ISWT Pod on Twitter. Appreciate you letting me come on and uh, talk some shop with you. Well, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. Keep uh, keep doing keep what you uh, keep, keep what you're doing what you're doing. We will keep doing what we are doing here from Sydney. Please download, please rate, please subscribe, please do all the different things that you do when it comes to the State of the Union podcast. Thanks again to State Farm for presenting this. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as we continue to roll on here in Sydney at the Women's World Cup. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day!